Back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she'll never read those New Yorker magazines. It's my sister, Marissa. The irony is that I would love that. Yeah, if you were stuck <laughs> in a room with only New Yorker magazines, I, I think would, you'd be you fine. Would, you could put me in there as if I were a demon who didn't need to eat or sleep or use the bathroom or whatever. You could like come check on me in 50 years and I would still be happily, you know checking out the articles because it seems like he gets new ones right yes he says they Uh just keep coming so it's not like you will have the same four to read right i would be perfectly happy i love the new yorker all right well you know maybe this is something that if you if you ever end up in the bad place maybe that you could just convince them that that should be your torture (laughs) like oh no don't give me the new yorker magazine's treatment please (laughs) but uh wasn't wasn't what Michael wanted. No. <laughs> Luckily, he got out of it. But we will get there. Before we get into the episode recap, we should do some housekeeping. I just checked our Gmail account before this, and still no one has emailed us. So, I, You know, someone who listens to the show and was IMing with me was saying, um, I should send you an email just to shut you guys up about the email thing. <laughs> so, like, I'm not going to complain about it this week. <laughs> but you can email us if you want to thegoodplaypod at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at thegoodplaypod uh, you can find us on facebook at thegoodplay and um, you can find us on itunes on google podcasts uh, google rss play? google play something <laughs> uh, and uh, goodplay.cast.rocks that's right All right, I finally got it right should we jump in or do you want to talk about the episode at the top a little bit um well i do i kind of want to preface this by saying this was probably my least favorite episode of the season so far i don't Mm -hmm. know how you felt about it uh it was certainly less after the the raft of episodes i feel like we've had leading up to this uh where we were literally like shrieking (laughs) and curled up in balls on our couches and that kind of thing this was a little bit calmer There were certainly things I liked about it, but I can see why. It's also a little bit more of a bottle episode. Right. So I think that also puts some parameters on it, maybe. Yeah, it it just, I don't know. Well, we'll talk about it after the synopsis. But um, I guess I want to give that caveat going in because um, I might be a little critical when I talk about some of the aspects of it. We pick up just where we left off, where our four human heroes pop through the portal into the judges' chambers and the portal snaps shut behind them and the three non-Eleanor people are asking Eleanor where Michael is and she tells them that he sacrificed himself so that she could get through. They see... All they see is a is a desk with a burrito on it and they think the burrito might be a test. Jason thinks the burrito might be the judge. Eleanor starts talking to it. But then the judge appears, and it's Maya Rudolph. Maya! Yeah, so I gotta say, you know, my my feelings about this episode notwithstanding, Maya Rudolph is the best. Didn't we? I was trying to listen to back to our, some of our other episodes. I thought we had talked about Maya Rudolph maybe having, like, wanting Maya Rudolph to have a cameo. 
But maybe that was just my really? wishful thinking. I don't remember that. I remember talking about Amy Poehler. Maybe it was Amy Poehler and I just... And just another female SNL alum. <laughs> yeah, put them in the same category. Anyway, continue. I loved her in this episode. She was... I have to say, if you needed... She, they needed someone who was uh, authoritative but friendly. And Maya Rudolph was perfect for that. And I think this like the casting was totally great for that. Yeah. So we find out later, later that her name is Jen, which is sort, short for hydrogen. So I'll just say Jen. Jen says she doesn't know she has a case that day and she figures out pretty quickly that she doesn't and that the four of them came without an appointment. She poofs them into clothes that they're actually comfortable in instead of their bad place get up. And they are surprised to know that she is not omniscient. She says at least not the way that Cheaty means. She says she doesn't follow human events so that she can remain as impartial as possible. And then you have a quote here, which is, it was, this was funny. She says, but sometimes I get bored and I cheat a little bit. I've been binging Ken Burns' Vietnam recently. It's okay. I mean, I'm immortal, but that thing is long. She's got, her delivery is fantastic. <laughs> they tell her that, the, you know, they escape from the bad place and they're looking to go to the good place. And she says, look, you've got no appointment and no advocate. So we've got, I have to send you back to the bad place. But Tahani begs for reconsideration and the judge loves her accent. So, uh, and she says she's bored and she hasn't had a case in 30 years. So she basically says like, why not? You know, you can, uh, you know, you can stay and, and you can have a hearing. We cut to Michael back at Bad Place HQ. Sean is chewing him out with color commentary from Bad Janet. Where you really junked your jeans on this one. And he says, I did what I had to do. Oh, you had to junk your jeans. And then like... uh, Sean and Bad Janet high five. <laughs> yes, that's so great. Sean calls Michael a traitor, but, you know, Michael just says, you know, you never cared about me. And this is, this was my, you want, do you want to do this line? It was my favorite one of the episode and it was your favorite too. Yeah, it was, well, it was funny because I, I wrote this, I wrote up our episode notes and then you texted me this morning and you said we had the same favorite line. And I said, of course we did. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, in the words of one of my actual friends, you basic. It's a human insult. It's devastating. You're devastated right now. I just loved his <laughs> delivery. I loved oh, everything so about it. He was just like, it, it's, it was so, I loved it because it was funny, but also like, it's so poignant to me. It's like, it's, it's, it's him feeling something for Eleanor, like feeling that, you know, she's my actual friend. And also like, it's a human insult. Like I am a human now. And like, this is how I'm going to show you that I'm more human than, than you are. And you're basic. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it was great. Michael tells Sean that the humans, he got the humans in front of the judge and that good Janet escaped, but bad Janet says that she has marbleized good Janet, which really seems to bum Michael out. We cut back to the judge's quarters where she decides to give each of them a test to see if they belong in the good place. Eleanor insists that they be graded as a group, as a group pass fail. And the judge says that's an incredibly stupid decision, but she has to respect it. So first, she sets up Jason's test, where basically she brings him to his bud hole. (laughs) And he has to play a game of Madden, but he cannot be the Jaguars. He has to beat the Jaguars as the Tennessee Titans, their hated rival, apparently. Yeah. Tahani's test is to walk down uh, a hallway where every door is labeled with the names of people and those people are allegedly inside the room discussing their real opinions of her. 
and some of the combinations of people are ridiculous and then yeah. she just has to get to the the room at the end of the hallway just escape from the hallway basically at she bad just has place to a- avoid going through any of the doors to hear what she does, the judge about. doesn't say that the That's judge says the judge says you have to get to the red door at the end of the hallway. That's all she says. Oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to Bl- Bad Place HQ. Sean figure. Well, Sean is like, so all, you know, you rebooted them over 800 times and all these reports were fake. And Michael's like, you know, in my defense, I just cobbled these reports together from Stephen King novels and Pretty Little Liars episodes. And you probably <laughs> should have figured it out. And Sean asks why he did it. And Michael says, you know, he he didn't plan to do it he says he was just trying to prove that humans could be made to torture each other but instead they helped each other you know and there's been a mistake and the humans belong in the good place this isn't fair and sean says fair is the stupidest word humans ever invented other than staycation and michael says those four humans are good people and they deserve a staycation in the good place (laughs) i just ted danson just every single line just brought it just perfect absolutely nailed it the, and Sean basically is just like, you know, no. And, <laughs> and I'm, I, you know, let's go for your punishment now. We cut back to the judge's chambers. It's Eleanor and Chidi's turn. The judge tells them they are automatically in and hands them these like glowing discs and says that those are like the keys to the good place. And she says, but Tani and Jason are going to fail their tests. So you probably should reconsider this whole pass fail thing. Eleanor assumes it's a prisoner's dilemma thing, but the judge immediately brings up little view holes into Tahani and Jason's tests, and she's like, no, they they have different tests. And so Chidi and Eleanor are, like, tearing their hair out over this whole thing. We cut to Tahani, who is reading the labels on all these doors. You know, one of them is Stephen Hawking and Quivenjane Wallace. Yes, and I love her. She goes, Quivenjane Wallace and Stephen Hawking in the same room? Oh, they must have made up. And I was like. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many random. Oh, there was like um, the the princes of England and Prince, you know, just like all kinds of combinations Uh, of famous people. Both Fergies. Both Fergies, right. The last door has her parents' names on it and she can't resist and she goes in. Her parents are talking about it. What a disappointment she is compared to Camilla. Obviously, that's what they have always said about her. On, when the judge checks in on Jason, he figures out that he's taking his test because he has to play against his favorite team. And the judge is like, yeah, I wasn't obfuscating that fact. It's so like, that yeah. was just obvious. Tahani has a conversation with her parents. You know, she says, I, you know, I, I, this whole scenario was supposed to provide me with what people really thought about me. But even now, you can't stop talking about Camilla. And I guess that's the point. I'm never going to be good enough for you. And I've done things here that you would be horrified by. Like, I've shagged a Floridian. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what she says. Yeah. And like... I ate a Cheeto. Yeah. And she's just like, you know, I'm just... G- goodbye. Yeah. I, well, okay. We'll get into discussion about, like, what were those actually? They were not her parents' souls. You know, her parents are dead. Right? So... Yeah. Um, we could talk about that, I guess, in discussion. Yeah. Sean uh, takes Michael to a room, a featureless room, 
except it has a stack of New Yorkers. He says that he doesn't want to retire Michael because it would be very public and the failure would be very public. And they're still really, I think, trying to tout this neighborhood as like a major step forward in torture. Yeah. So he says instead he's going to lock Michael in this room with a stack of New Yorkers forever, which, as I said before, I would actually be super into. But Michael is like, I'm never going to read them. (laughs) Come on, Sean. (laughs) And that's when bad Janet reveals that she's actually good Janet. And she like, she like Hulk smashes Sean into the wall twice. Like, I mean, she really kicks the snot out of him. Yeah. And she saves Michael. Back to the judges' chambers, Eleanor and Chidi are talking it out about whether they should, you know, stay uh, with Tahani and Jason or whether they should go. Chidi tells Eleanor to forget about ethics for a minute and like, don't we deserve a chance to be happy, just you and me? And Eleanor's like, you're not Chidi. And she turns to the judge and she's like, I don't know what you did with Chidi Adagonye, but that is not him. And she's like, you're right. And that was your test and you passed. And she's like, "Where's where is Chidi? Like, what'd you do with Chidi?" And then we cut to Chidi in a white, featureless room with two hats in front of him, and there's a timer on the wall, and it says he's been in there for 82 minutes, and he's just like, "Well, the white hat, but then the brown hat, and then he picks the brown hat after 82 minutes, yeah. and that's it." So the tests are all done, and the judge says, "You know, you're all going to the bad place." Uh, Chidi, it took you 82 minutes to pick a hat. And Chidi's like, but did I pick the right hat? And the judge is like, it's a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Tani didn't make it to the end of the hallway without opening any of the doors. I was very fuzzy on what exactly Jason's... I, I mean, was too. We should talk about that. Yeah. So she says Jason failed. Like, you know, so there was this issue when, when the judge was trying to set up Jason with a test... You know, she kept trying to explain to him and he was like, say no more or whatever. Like, I'm great at Madden football. And he, she was just like, okay. Like, she, he didn't let her finish the instructions. And, and she does cite that as a problem. But that doesn't seem to be why he failed. I'm not totally clear. And then the judge is about to tell is about to say that Eleanor actually passed her test. But then Eleanor makes up a story about how she shoved an old lady to get some shrimp at the raw bar. And the judge kind of just wordlessly... You know, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, Maya Rudolph makes an expression that we, the audience, understand as like, "I respect your decision to not reveal to your friends that you actually passed." The judge plays them um, a goodbye montage video, like the kind that Facebook might make for you on your birthday or something, (laughs) with uh, (laughs) Bette Midler's. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, with Bette Midler's "Wind Beneath My Wings" playing underneath it. Jason's very tickled by it. Oh yeah, he's into it. And Eleanor tells Chi that she's going to miss him and she'll think about him while she's being tortured. And just as the judge is about to send them back to the bad place, Michael and Janet pop through the portal. And I mean, it's like their feet touch the ground. And at least for me, like the broadcast basically cut out at that moment. Yeah, it was like, hey, guys, the end. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lots to talk about. So I will say, you know, I didn't love this episode, but I will admit that on Thursday night when I was lying in bed, I was like, I have to talk to Brianna about so many things. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? Well, can we, like, let's first talk about Jason's test. Because yeah. I, I thought about this over and over again. And it, it just, I, I think there was either something wrong with the writing or with the editing. Because I don't know what the heck they were going for. You know, the judge says, like, you didn't have, this. your test was about impulse control. But you never asked whether you could not play the game. And I was like, that's not, is that, that's not fair. Like, I know, oh, fair is a stupid word. But, like, 
if a judge says to you, here is your test, you have to play this game, like, it's it's irrational to say that that person needs to be like, wait a minute, the the only winning move is not to play, like you're, like you're the... What is that? What, what's War that games. Movie? War. Thank you. War games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he had politely let her finish explaining, then would that have been okay? Like, what exactly was the matter? Did he lose the game in inside of Madden? Is that what happened? I don't. Th- uh, I don't think we know whether or not he lost the game. No, I don't think so either. When she comes to check on him, he's a few. He's three points down and right. he's like meditating so that he can so that he can center himself enough to win. Yeah, I was fuzzy on it. I'll admit that. I, I, I agree with you that saying I this is related, I think. Maybe I'm jumping, but I think it's related. Our mom is a psychologist. And uh, there's a little thing... There's a lot of people like to make jokes about that, but I promise you you and I are fairly well-adjusted people. <laughs> yeah, fairly. We were just talking about that before we came on air, actually. Um, but there is a test, colloquially at least known as, like, the marshmallow test, right? Right. For little kids. Actually, when I was watching with Dan... He saw the burrito on the table and he was like, it's the marshmallow test. That's exactly what I thought. That is 100% what I thought. That, you know, when she said this test is about your impulse control, I thought that the burrito, there was going to be something with the burrito. That The burrito was really a red herring. It was. Even though that was the name of the episode. Well, and I wonder if that's sort of why... Yeah, why it was a red herring, because we all thought that the burrito was going to mean something or be something or whatever. But I thought for sure that the burrito was going to be Jason's marshmallow test of, do you have the impulse control to sit here and not eat this marshmallow and ultimately, or burrito, and ultimately be rewarded with another burrito or another marshmallow or entrance into the good place? Or what if she had put him down in his bud hole and been like, this is a tv and this is a game this is a playstation whatever the hot new i i'm i'm old now yeah here's a playstation with madden and like your job is to sit here and not play madden yes i would have totally been on board for that that at least what it was so muddy what what he was being asked you know what what the passing criteria would have been yeah I don't know if I have anything else to say about it, except, like, I think it was either poorly written or poorly edited, because I, I don't know what Jason could have done. It's not it's not reasonable to say he should have said, I don't want to play at all. So what could he have done other than that to actually pass this test? Uh. Yeah, I mean, maybe let her... Finish a dang sentence, Finish sure. a dang sentence, but at the same time... You know, that's a that's a technicality to me. That's not a real reason why you would fail somebody. No, it's not. I mean, it's not the same thing as Tahani in the middle of it actually vocalizes. Oh, this is a test of my ability to not care what other people think about me. Right. And she knows going into the room with her parents' names on the door that she is doing what she's not supposed to do, but she can't resist it. So she kind of knows that she this goes back to our conversation about jason being the simple child in a way yeah but i agree with you i I didn't think his test was clear and i thought for sure that this burrito was the marshmallow test speaking of tahani 
Uh, I just think of the four of them, she got a, a test that was an order of magnitude more difficult than the other three. Yeah, Chidi's test was for comic relief. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, this is another, like, you know, I talked about this last time. Yeah, how... I actually thought about you while I was while I was <laughs> like, yep, this is going to be, we're going to talk about this. Like, again, so last week I talked about how Chidi's indecision was used as like a way to fill time or like a way to create tension or a way to introduce a way to talk about some philosophy or whatever in, in a way that I felt was not entirely realistic. And this week was just like, guys, really? <laughs> like we're hitting the same stuff pretty hard with him. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel like, you know, and, and so my friend Trifton, who was the one who said like, I should send you guys an email just to shut you up. My <laughs> friend Trifton made the, why don't you send us an email Trifton? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My friend Tripton made the good point that something that we actually didn't discuss when we talked about how Chidi was being, you know, so indecisive about when he was talking to those bros at the bad place party. Like, we didn't mention that part of the reason Chidi was so indecisive was that anything he said potentially could be the instrument of torture on another human soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, and what I said was like, yeah, but it's not up to him whether the guy gets tortured, right? I mean, that ship has sailed. The, yeah. the question is how he's going to be tortured. And Chidi actually kind of finds a solution that means that this guy is going to be less tortured than he might have otherwise been. Yeah, books. But, you know, it's not up to Chidi whether this guy gets tortured. So I I took Trifton's point, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I mean, I think he still should have bit the bullet and kind of... You know, and and certainly he shouldn't have had his head so far up his butt about um, pretending to be somebody else. And then this week I was just like, come on, guys. Like, I I really felt like with Chidi, we were kind of beyond this. You know, when was this such a gag? Oh, when Michael's trying to get Chidi to choose between, what is it? Taking notes on a whiteboard versus a chalkboard? Do you remember this in season I one? I do. I was going to say season one or very, very early season two where he has to pick between the soulmates. But even that's a higher stakes. But that's, but that's very high stakes. Right? And, and, and he doesn't know what's going on. And like in this episode, again, I understand it was like it was a comedic relief kind of situation. But he must have known he is the he is by far the smartest of the four of them. Yeah. He should have known like. Okay, an omniscient, an essentially omniscient judge is deciding whether or not I get to get into heaven. And she put me in a room with two hats and told me to pick one. He should have instantly been like, oh, okay, this is making sure that I'm not, you know, wavering and indecisive like I was in my life. I'm just going to literally pick a random one off the rack here and walk out. Even though he has anxiety, even though, you know, he has the intellectual capacity to intellectualize past his greatest flaw, I think, in a, in a moment of true duress like this, where it really is do or die. I would, I think that that's true of him, yeah. although I guess the writers disagree with me. By the way, this was a Megan Amram joint. Megan Amram, come on our podcast and talk to us about... <laughs> no, don't talk to... No, I don't want to know. No. <laughs> she co-wrote this with somebody, but I forget the, I forget the Joe co-writer's Mandy. name. Thank you. Yeah, I I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think that given all of the character development that we've had with Chidi over the course of the season, 
about his role as a teacher and about his role in his relationship with Eleanor. To your point, he is self-aware enough to understand that his brain you know, is the sound that a fork makes at a garbage disposal all (laughs) the time. But he's self-aware enough to know that that doesn't serve him well. And picking a hat off of a hat rack is different than even last week where he's trying to weigh another person's human suffering, right? And I think you could have done for him, I almost would have rather had jason's thing be a total throw we spent more time with jason than we did with chidi and we didn't understand what was going on with jason no not at all i would have much rather had jason like sit in this sit in your butthole and don't play madden and then he ends up playing it and you just see a second of it and you know that he's failed because he has no impulse control and Spend more time with Chidi, where Chidi gets essentially the mirror. I mean, you could have given him the mirror version of what you gave Eleanor. That's exactly what I was thinking. Or that he should co- have been given a, an, an honest to God ethical quandary about. And maybe he they could have done it something like, you know, only one of you can actually get in because of she. You know, the judge could have said anything. She could have lied, you know, and said the good place can only take one person, and you have to pick which of the four of you is actually going to go, right? Like, And that's the end of the first season, right? And we saw how dramatic that was. Or, you know, Michael and Chidi have developed a real, you know, friendship and a student-teacher relationship. She could have said, here's footage of Michael being tortured before his eternal shriek. Like, you know, you have the choice of whether or not to go back in and rescue him yourself or relegate him to this knowing that he sacrificed himself for you or they could have done any number of things to give him as you were saying like a a real honest ethical moral quandary they could have given him a version of the trolley problem they could have given him a version of anything that we've explored with him or they could have said you know you have to be honest with Eleanor about your feelings in order to get in who knows I mean I think they could have done a lot more with him and yet we spent a lot more time with Jason and the sort of like unsatisfying thing that was supposed to be funny whereas I think they it was a missed opportunity to give Chidi some like real character growth in the episode and and more stakes to it yeah i really don't like because i love chidi so much i mean because he is my tv husband husband. yeah i am starting to dislike how they're treating him the last few episodes he has been sort of yeah more of the comic relief and i i mean with the exception of the whole scene between him and eleanor at the at the sort of trash the neighborhood party right which was so lovely and and open and honest i i i like chidi so much and there's so much to him and he's so complex and i don't like him being reduced to i can't make a decision i have a stomach ache like he's being reduced to like the version of himself in the bad place museum of torture yeah and, like i need for that to stop because no i agree um, makes me I crazy agree. i agree i mean i think and you know they're obviously capable of coming up with tortures that are much more nuanced because putting Tahani in a situation with her parents, I mean, 
I think we that talked was about wicked, that. Man. Oh God, it was the worst. I mean, I think we actually talked about that in like the very first episode of the podcast. Like Tahani's parents are dead. Are we ever going to see them in the bad place? And here they are. I mean, I don't know if it's actually them or it. it I don't think it could have been unless I, I, the one thing I guess, you know, they are pretty able to apparently wipe soul's memory of the time that they have spent in the bad place as we've seen a million times yeah so i suppose it's possible they took their souls out of the bad place wiped their memories of all the torture that they've gone through for the last 10 years or whatever and then put them in that room although i don't know how they then forced them but i i think it's more likely that they were sort of a simulation like an apparition i mean yeah. that just means ghost right <laughs> i i think that they were i'm sure that they were saying the things that that those parents would have said if they had really been caught talking about Tahani. I think that the judge was being honest about that. Yeah. But I think that they were kind of just copies of her parents' personalities or whatever. But I mean, that is a much more emotionally resonant form of, of form of torture and also a, a, a test of how far Tahani has come. Right. And that's sort of what you want from all of these other tests and it just didn't feel like we got that at least with Chidi. we got it from eleanor and we got it from tahani it's funny the gender split on these tests was really strange to me mm. uh, that's what it read like to me that the boys got these kind of silly nothing tests and the girls got these like really heart-wrenching tests yeah. it's a little odd to me but yeah tahani's test was was brutal yeah it was painful it was brutal i mean and and to expect her especially because her parents are dead you know she hasn't seen them in however many years. I mean, even if you think your parents are going to be saying something abusive, if you genuinely loved them and you miss them, to say like, oh, they're right behind that door. <laughs> you know, and the judge, like I said, the judge doesn't say she is not allowed to go in any of the doors. That's just sort of the secret test of this. It's the test behind the test. Yeah. It's to, for her to not go in any of the doors. And that's how she fails. Which, oh boy. I mean, I think that she deserves a ton of credit for not going in any of the other doors. And she also, I mean, I also think that there's a test behind the test behind the test with her, which is, would it, does it make a difference how she comports herself when she gets in the room with her parents? You know, the fact that she can stand there and, or sit there, you know, and be self-assured and stand up to them in a way that she never had while she was alive and be polite and not let them ruin her and not go off on them and not be in hysterics afterwards. I mean, that's a huge step for her. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of growth from Tahani. It's been pretty great. Yeah. But we've also arguably seen similar amounts of growth from, at least from Chidi, and I would say, like, slightly from Jason, And the tests for the boys just sort of didn't reflect that. Yeah. I also just have, I mean, I I think I have a problem overall with the whole concept of this judge giving them these tests and then having that be a thumbs up or thumbs down to get into the good place or the bad place because it runs so counter to how we've been told the whole setup works. Like, Oh, the point system and stuff? Yeah, I mean... Look, Eleanor has come a very long way. God knows we love her. She's our point of view character. But she still is, you know, a pretty, like, a morally questionable person in a lot of ways. 
you know, she has, she's made a lot of strides, but we're talking about an afterlife system where Florence Nightingale is in hell. But the thing that gets Eleanor into heaven is her ability to recognize that her friend is, has been replaced by a a double, which good for her. I'm glad that she, you know, made that leap, but it doesn't track with how the whole place is supposed to work. Yeah. I mean, now that you say that, I I see where you're coming from. I think I I think it's I wonder if, you know, the judge tells them at first like, you know, I'm not going to hear your case like you belong in the bad place. And I wonder if this is just she's bored and she's toying with them. Like who knows if they were ever going to get into the good place? Who knows if it was ever even real, right? Like, yeah, maybe. we think Maya Rudolph, like, we think the judge is giving them a, a, a fair shot because she's Maya Rudolph and she seems really she friendly. She seems benevolent, yeah. Right. She seems really friendly and she's chatty with them and, you know, she just seems to be happy to have someone to hang out with for a little while and she makes that, like, you know, flashback video for them and all that kind of stuff. But she's also been on her own for the past 30 years and maybe she just wanted some entertainment. So that you think she might actually be just malicious, which would be... Or, you know, the same way that Michael saw the humans as, you know, less than him at the beginning. Like, I don't know, if you remember, he's immortal. He doesn't have the same connection to human life and human pain and suffering my Rudolph's character is even one step removed from all that because she mm-hmm. re- she remains completely impartial. She she you know binge watches Netflix so that she doesn't have to keep up with current events. She doesn't really know. I can probably assume that she hasn't actually met that many humans. She may not because she's so impartial and in 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 between the good place and the bad place. She might not really have a a good grasp of what it means for you to be on either side of that. Oh, I bet the case she heard 30 years ago was Mindy. Oh, yeah, probably. 30 years ago would would make it, you know, the 80s. Yeah, you're probably right. So I wonder for her if it's, if she just, you know, Michael at this point, for lack of a better term, like has a soul and cares about what happens to these people. Maya Rudolph seems really affable, but she doesn't care. Right? It's possible that she just wanted this is better than binge watching Bloodline, right? That's what she says. Like <laughs> it's it's either this or start watching Bloodline and I just can't see Kyle Chandler as anyone else but Coach Taylor. And <laughs> that's what gets her interested. It's not like, well, I'm really I, I care about my job and I, I this is ver- a very serious offense and we've gotta take this seriously. It's like, all right, why not? Like, let's do this thing, you know? So you think there's a chance that she never intended to allow any of them into the good place? Yeah, or she doesn't care about being that serious about it because, you know, the consequences don't affect her. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I just, um, you know, this, this system where you are given a test and that sort of exploits your greatest weakness and you have to see if you can overcome it is a very interesting way of determining whether someone should go to heaven or hell and it's 
not the way that this universe determines whether you go to heaven or hell. No. And it's also, I mean... I mean, Chidi could be the most indecisive person in the galaxy if he had also, uh, by the point system, if he had also, you know, built wells in a hundred villages that didn't have water and saved a people from slavery and stopped genocide, I mean, he'd still be in the good place. Even yeah. if he was that indecisive. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have minor foibles if they are made up for by huge point getters yeah that's true so maybe there's something else going on like i wouldn't put it past this show to be like here's something we haven't told you yet (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely and it might be some bombshell like you know about the good place or about you know something that that we don't so something that we were misinformed about, about the point system or something. All totally possible. And I would feel like they had earned that because it's such a good show. You know, if they want to they want to kind of pull the rug out from under us, they're entitled to do that. They've done it before, certainly. They have certainly done it before. But the whole notion of this judging process was just so strange to me. And, you know... <laughs> Again, like, maybe maybe Sean's comment about how the word fair is stupid was supposed to be sort of a, like, a mission statement for the episode. Yeah. Because it would have been, I mean, you can imagine all three of the people who failed the test, you can imagine them passing those tests, right? It would not have been that impossible for Tahani to have walked past that door. I think it should have been perfectly possible for Chidi to just pick up a hat and walk out. We're still not sure how Jason would have passed his test, but let's assume it would have been possible. Mm-hmm. And then let's imagine she goes, okay, all of you are, that's great. You you all passed your test and you're going to the good place now. If there was any way that that information would have gotten out to anyone who was in the bad place. I mean, if you can imagine, what remember, what was it? Was it dress bitch? Remember the dress bitch? Oh, yeah. Thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. With, uh, in season one with Eleanor's roommate, right? Yeah, I mean, you can imagine someone being like, wait a minute, dress bitch got into the good place? <laughs> like, the, <laughs> the girl who did the dress bitch thing? Like, you know, like, legitimately, like, someone being like, look, I went to church and I donated to charity and, like, I raised good children and, like, I I just didn't make the cut because I wasn't, you know, Abraham Lincoln, but dress bitch gets to go to the good place? <laughs> That's a great point. I mean, if... <sighs> I think it, yeah, it almost would have been more interesting to be like, what does it mean for you guys to get in? Because to go back to Sean and Michael's conversation, Michael kind of says, well, they've earned it. This is the most interesting part of the episode for me. Yeah, I, want, like, I do want to talk more about this. You know, they they are good people. And so we must have made a mistake. And when you look at it from... Not just the perspective of those four people, but also every other person in the bad place has... You You must then, or at least I, extrapolate from that that most people who are, you know, of the ilk of the Chidi's and Eleanor's and, and Jason's and Tahani's, I'm not saying, like, the mass murderers or what have you, but 
you know, the people who are everyday in, people, everyday people who like the kind of people who are in the crappy, you know, featured in the low grade hall of crappy yeah, tortures or whatever, their, flossing their teeth in a in an open plan office. The woman who flosses her teeth in the open plan office, or you know, the guy who sends a salacious daguerreotype to a woman, <laughs> they they don't belong. I mean, he says these are good people. We've made a mistake. I I think that's a bigger point that. All of these people have redeeming qualities, and if you give them a chance, they will make themselves. They will improve themselves and make other people around them better. Yeah. So, so what I found fascinating about the discussion between Sean and Michael is when Michael says they helped each other, they improved each other. That wasn't supposed to be possible. So there is some widespread belief amongst demons, at least, and possibly amongst angels or whatever we want to call good place employees. Yeah that the human soul is immutable after death. And Michael has just proven that that is not true, which opens up like a huge vista of possibilities for where this show could go. Because, you know, now there's he Michael has cracked open this truth that possibly nobody knew. I mean, if they have just been throwing the quote unquote, the best people into the good place where they're not expected to improve because they're already the best. And they've been throwing the vast majority of people into unspeakable tortures where, like, you know, certainly the human spirit is indomitable in some respects. And, and you know, I hate doing this, but, like, it's Holocaust Remembrance Day today. Oof, yeah. And, like, let us never forget that in those death camps, there were people who survived and kept their humanity and... um you know, there were pe- there were people who were therapists who were in death camps who were, like, giving therapy to the people who were in death camps with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people can persist, I think, under some of the worst possible circumstances. But from what we know about the bad place, where the torture is basically uh, constant and it's inflicted by superhuman or, or unhuman beings who don't need to rest and can't be distracted and are just focusing on torturing you personally. I think it's not unreasonable to say that that sort of um, triumph of the human spirit that we are accustomed to from real life would maybe not be possible in uh, in the, the bad place. So it's not crazy to think that people who were put into the bad place never had a an opportunity to flourish and and become better people because it was literally impossible under the circumstances so michael has just cracked something open that the human soul is not immutable it can change it can be bettered and so then he's almost invented the concept of purgatory (laughs) yeah where you that's where your soul goes to be improved and it's not heaven but the whole thing is like you're gonna be better and you have to be better before you can go anywhere else and so i wonder if so next week's episode is called somewhere else and the only synopsis we have is michael tries to pull a rabbit out of a hat which would be hilarious if he actually pulled a literal rabbit out of a literal hat but um I wouldn't put it past them. I do wonder if there's going to be some notion of like, well, okay, we're going to send you somewhere else. 
And it's not the good place and it's not the bad place and it's not the medium place. It's somewhere else. Yeah, because I think in our initial understanding of this system, we sort of looked at the medium place as a purgatory, but that's not actually true because Mindy doesn't change. No, she doesn't. She's never challenged to change. She has spent the last 30 years wearing a power suit and... and or, or nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> and, you know, watching Cannonball Run 2 over and over again and still being addicted to cocaine. She hasn't changed. She hasn't really thought about her humanity any differently and... You know, I think that's because she's been separated from humanity. Well, and that's what I was just about to say. I'm was, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. But it is the fact that you put, that Michael put these humans together that bettered all of them, right? I mean, that was Eleanor's point of, we're only this, we've only gotten this far because we've stuck together. And so that's why I want, it, want us to be graded together. And right. so, you know, Mindy, because of her isolation... She never had anybody to challenge her. She never had anybody. And and Eleanor was the first person to kind of do that. But because Eleanor is not a constant fixture in her life, you know, it was easier for her to just say like, all right, you show up here and you inconvenience me for a few days and then you leave again. And this happens every once in a while, you know. So the medium place isn't purgatory, but maybe there is now this concept of, of purgatory or maybe, you know... Michael's under understanding now that that human souls can be improved and changed really upends their whole business model. And so you can also have the idea that Michael wants to start something new, but you've got maybe both sides of the coin, the good place and the bad place, trying to keep the status quo and trying to keep things the way they are. Because otherwise you have to reckon with the fact that you've been a part of this, you know, system that's been completely flawed from the get-go. Yes. And I I guess the ultimate goal of purgatory is to improve a soul to the point where they can be admitted into a place like the good place. And people who run the good place or the beings who run the good place may feel as though you know, they don't want the riffraff in, you know, like a gated community, not I wanting mean, a, not wanting a metro. literally s- has gates. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the bad place may feel like they are losing their customer base. Is that the right <laughs> terminology? I don't know. I mean, or like the bad place, you know, has to demons, Michael has also proven that demons can change. Yeah, radically. So if demons are to understand that humans can change, and that means that they've been committing a wrong all of this time, you know, we've seen the bad place as this very comically bad place, but Michael has proven that a demon can be shown right and wrong. Some of them don't care. Like Sean obviously doesn't care. Because That's why he, just... he took the form of a 45-year-old white man. I <laughs> he, love... He can only fail up. I love that so much. Like, Sean doesn't care. But other people might. Other demons might. 
it, it might take more than just saying, hey, wait a minute, these people feel things or they, you know, but there's also I mean, there's an there's an element of this that's sort of like Stanford prison experiment, which you may remember or you may not, but it's not assume the listeners have heard of it where, you know, some experimenters in psychology, you know, 60 or so years ago took a bunch of like healthy young male volunteers. I think they were college students and they set up like a fake prison and they just randomly were like, hey, you, this half of the population is prisoners and this half of the population is prison guards. And even though these are random people who have done nothing wrong and they didn't, nobody chose the job of prison guard, like they still, the prison guards became absolutely brutal and the prisoners, you know, developed like learned helplessness and and despair and i think they had to cut the experiment short just sort of proving that when ordinary people are put into situations where they are where they believe they are expected to brutalize other people they become brutal Mm. and so i think a lot of what is wrong with demons who as far as we can tell, seem to be indistinguishable from humans in a lot of ways. The thing that seems to be wrong with demons is not that they are inherently bad, but that they have been, that they are expected to brutalize human souls and so become brutal in the act of doing that. When Michael is given a break from that, as far as we know, that's what he has done up to that point. Yeah, because, I mean, Sean says to him, who taught you how to turn a human being inside out by reaching down their throat and pulling on their butts from the inside or whatever, right? Right. So he became an architect's apprentice relatively recently, but he is, you know, as old as time. So we are to understand that he was a torturer at some point. Mm-hmm. The thing that happens is that Michael gets a break from that. And he gets a break from thinking about really inhuman torture and instead is kind of he's not only commingling with these people who think that they're in heaven but he's also more fixated on kind of petty you know it would be hard for us to call them tortures right you know tahani is thinks her soulmate is this guy who won't talk to her i mean these are like normal not that you know we any of us has had a mute uh partner but like the sort of daily indignities of human existence that are not properly labeled tortures. <laughs> that's, no. the kind of, that's the kind of thing that, that Michael is kind of inflicting on these folks. And because he has stopped brutalizing people, his brutality ebbs away. And what yeah. is left is this creature who is, you know... He, he he is outside of time in a sense and he can see in eight dimensions, but he's very human. Yeah. And he's proud of that. And I think that's a very interesting thing because you do get the sense that there are some demons, you know, the Adam Scott demons, uh, <laughs> my my husband, who are perfectly happy doing what they do. And then you get the sense that there are other demons who have other ideas like Vicky, right? Who, you know, maybe if she were given another option, would choose a different path for herself. Obviously, she's self-serving, but it doesn't seem to me like she is particularly vicious. Right. She's a Slytherin, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, make her 
Bellatrix Lestrange. Right. So, you know... Are you going to pretend like you knew what I was talking about just there? It's You're talking about um, uh, Helena Bottom Carter, aren't you? Oh, all right. All yeah. right. <laughs> Don't think I am that culturally tone deaf. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that opens up a whole can of worms and you've already seen Sean trying to contain things. But the the good place remains this very opaque place to us and we don't know how they would act, but I would imagine your understanding of them as sort of like a gated community, you know, that wouldn't surprise me if they want to keep the status quo because they're kind of like the high-end neighborhood and they, like you said, they don't want the riffraff coming in. But yeah, I think your point about opening up this other world of possibilities that you don't have to brutalize people is really poignant and makes me also wonder why then the bad place is so keen on promoting this model of the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. Because it doesn't seem to be that that is the model that they want to go for. The only thing I can think of is that there is some sort of like sinister behind the scenes cost saving measure going on, which doesn't make any sense because we haven't, you know, they, we, they do say that they have an accounting department. So there must be some a shared accounting department. Of, yeah. Yeah. There must be some transfer of resources in some way. But the only thing I could think of is like, if the humans are torturing each other, it means that there are fewer demons who have to be involved in torturing and therefore something right you know someone on the board of directors is trying to downsize how many demons they need to employ although fundamentally what is a demon's other purpose <laughs> right exactly fundamentally it doesn't make sense because we know that demons do not have lives outside of work they only exist at work which then could be very sinister because it could mean that demons are going to be like winked out of existence by some sort of you know board of shadowy figures yeah, or locked in rooms with New Yorker magazines. Yeah. <laughs> I Again, I would take that existence. <laughs> I want to be perfectly clear. I mean, honestly, having that for a week at this point sounds like a vacation to me. <laughs> you know how Kathy Griffin has that? I was that just going to say. <laughs> so, listeners, we do not care what you think about Kathy Griffin's, like, stunt with Trump's head. Don't care. We 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 enjoy Kathy Griffin. Stand up. We love her. We love her. Um, and she has a joke about how um, she she basically asks her audience like, how many moms this audience think that like a week in prison sounds like a vacation? Like a week, yeah, a week in. I don't know. I guess minimum security. It wasn't solitary confinement, but it was basically like you don't have to deal with your family or your kids or you know housework or anything else. Yeah, so right, I would take a week in a room with a stack of New Yorkers. You know, if I had sufficient food and and my insulin. Um, yeah. Like, I would take that. I would take that in a heartbeat. Just give me a blanket to curl up on the floor with. I'd be <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> do do do. Um, but, you know, to your point about, like, a prison experiment, though, when they were originally putting Michael in that room, I was like, oh, God, because we know... Of all of the tortures that you can inflict on someone in, like, the real world on Earth, solitary confinement is one of the worst things you can do to people. And look at Mindy. 
who essentially has been in solitary confinement for 30 years. Yeah. She is, uh, you know, like, no offense to Mindy. She's a moral degenerate. (laughs) Yeah. She she is selfish. She is, she's not creative. She's not insightful because she has been in solitary confinement for three decades. Yeah. And so the idea of putting Michael in that room, you know, it's supposed to be a joke, but to me, he feels human enough where to cut him off from any interaction would really be cruel, like very cruel. Again, I would, I have to emphasize, I would take it. (laughs) You wouldn't take it forever though. Not forever, but yeah, like a week, man. Yeah, I would. I gotta say, um, before we recorded, I spent the entire day just in my apartment, not talking to anybody else. And I was like, I'm fine with this. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also thought that I didn't realize that bad Janet was good Janet. I loved that it was good Janet. She was, I, I mean, the thing that Darcy Carden was doing was she was acting as bad Janet. So it's, it's fine that we didn't realize it was actually good Janet because the disguise was perfect. Her, I I loved the tone in her voice when she, she's like, it's me. Good Janet. She's like so proud of herself. But I thought that good Janet was actually in the marble and Michael was going to find a way to unmarbleize her and then Mm -hmm. they would get out of the room together. I suppose that real good Janet actually marbleized a bad Janet. Or she simulated a marble. Or she simulated marble. That's I mean, like, I don't know what her powers are when she's in the bad place. I don't know. But I would have loved to see, like, we need a webisode where yes. good Janet learns how to be bad Janet. Yes. I want that's that. a great idea. We need just a webisode of her, like, getting into that outfit and spending, like, a week following people around going, like, hey, you ugly butt face like until she sort of gets the cadence down but it's been it's only been like an hour you know what i mean like that's true she doesn't have a week the the episode the episode picks up exactly where the last one left off i mean she had to turn on a dime which is why it's not entirely realistic i mean like i guess it it is what it is i mean if she can absorb all of human history and you know she is sort of all knowing and and she's like a giant database then i kind of get it but they did make a big fuss about her not knowing like how to uh be bad janet for like an entire day basically in the last episode so to all of a sudden have her be flawlessly impersonating bad janet yeah was uh, a bit of a cheat yeah didn't In fact, it, it was though. kind of a big cheat. I'm not mad at them, but it is a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it also would have been something if we had maybe seen Sean, like, find a bad Janet in, a, in the, like, walking down the hallway or something, because, you know, or if it had been, because I was going to say, we don't know how long the trip in the portal is. That's true. So it could have been longer, but if we're sort of looking at these things happening concurrently, yeah. Even if you cheated and said that the trip in the portal takes, you know, three days, Michael hasn't been in Sean's office being interrogated for three days. He was no. done with him after like an hour. Yeah. So 
It would have been another thing, maybe, if they had already locked Michael in the room with the New Yorker cartoons and Sean's coming to check on him. And then all of a sudden, bad Janet turns out to be good Janet. And it's been a few days and Michael has like a five o'clock shadow or something, you know. Like, oh, that uh, would be amazing. You yeah. know, like what's his face in Tim Robbins and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> but I just think, yeah, it's a bit of a cheat. I didn't mind it because I love everything Darcy Carden does as, as good Janet and bad Janet. But, you know, I think. To me, it a little bit lessened the impact of Michael's sacrifice in the last episode. Yeah, I agree. The The fact that he got out of it so easily yeah uh, with basically no consequences and to me it was a little the... bit like well okay like that was such a an affecting moment and then you kind of pulled the punch in the next episode yeah and the fact that his torture you know he thought when he sacrificed himself that he was going to be retired right and so to your point that does mean that he has made the ultimate sacrifice in order to help these people the fact that even if he had been locked in that room for like a few days he can entertain himself for a few days. Just read it. some Cy Hirsch and like <laughs> take in the Tom Tolls cartoons. <laughs> Shouts and Murmurs is hilarious. Like warm up to this excellent magazine. Or, you know, do what... This episode has been brought to you by The New Yorker. Do what our mom did and just decorate your door with New Yorker cartoons. <laughs> yeah, give him... Yeah, that's right. All he needs is some scissors. Oh. <laughs> so the fact that it was just like, oh, we're going to keep you in this room does lessen it a little bit but i also wonder if there's something more coming up next episode that they had to kind of this is maybe like a false we feel a false sense of security in this episode so that next episode they can really put him on the line or something it's funny that they you know that michael sure made this deal with nbc that he was only going to do these you know how long are these seasons 13 episodes yeah this is an, an instance where i really feel like if there were a few more episodes in this season like we could raise the stakes a little bit you know if michael you know michael is is in and out of bad place custody in in under an episode if this was if there were three more episodes in the season you know he could be really trapped and 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 or or actually in some peril but everything moves so fast that there's no opportunity for that yeah that's a good point i mean i think um i read a an interview with um Ted Danson, where he was talking about the fact that for last week's episode, where he was talking about the fact that, you know, they like doing the 13 episodes a season because it cuts out a lot of the fat, because I think otherwise an order is like 22. Yeah, that's right. Episodes. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe what you're talking about is like a happy medium, because I think if you go on for 22 episodes, I'm sure they could fill the time, but we might get episodes that are a little flatter, like this season or this this uh, episode, excuse me, was certainly flatter than a lot of the episodes that we've had recently right so you'd probably have more episodes that are filler episodes with maybe one thing that one cool thing that happens in each episode but i agree that you know i i think just like we could have had more with vicky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know i think we could have had more with michael in the custody of the bad place and sort of reckoning with that or maybe michael has to get put on trial or something like that too you know that could have been interesting but we still have one episode left so we'll see what they do to us yeah somewhere else and i think i'm i realized that next week is the last week because then we have the olympics on nbc starting on the following thursday so where are the olympics this year (laughs) 
Pyeongchang. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So NBC had like a whole There's pre- no volatile dictators living anywhere near there, is there? I think we're fine. It's okay. fine. It's fine. Um, I mean, look, the last Winter Games were in Russia. Yeah, we, we've really been hitting the volatile dictator, like, trifecta. All we need now is for one to be under Trump's America, and then we'll really have the volatile oh, dictator Lord. thing all lined up and sitting pretty. And they're talking about having the World Cup in Qatar. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I think NBC obviously has a big stake in running footage from, you know, from the Olympics. So I think that's probably why they cut the season off where they have. Oh, I think this is the same length as the last season. No, but I just mean the way that they've uh, scheduled it. Scheduled it. So we got one more episode, and then we are into we're back into our guilty knowledge rewatch of the yep. first season, right? Yep, yep. If they do, um, if they do a release of some extended versions of the second part of the season, then we'll probably go back and talk about what was changed. Yeah, that'd be great. Fingers crossed for a Janet bad, good Janet, bad Janet webisode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be amazing. And Michael Schur is no stranger to webisodes. The, the Office was a big webisode show back yeah. in the day. Yeah, and I think they've released some stuff from um, Parks and Rec as well. There you go. So maybe we can get some. Anything else? Um, well, just some uh, one, just one piece of listener feedback before we go. Uh, Joel wanted to know why I hated Idiocracy. Um, I found it unwatchable. I. <laughs> I mean that You're like in the I most... hated it because it was really bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I mean, unwatchable in the most literal sense of the word. Where the scene where Luke Wilson goes into Dak Shepard's apartment, and Dak Shepard is just speaking at the highest possible volume and making very little sense. It was as though um, someone was assaulting my eardrums. Mm. I mean, as though, as if you had you know, entered into a madhouse and and people were just shrieking at you, like an old-timey lunatic asylum. People were just shrieking at you. And it's like, well, don't you want to stay? Like, no, I would like to leave <laughs> I'm now. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my feelings about idiocracy in a nutshell. That's Maybe fair. it's great once you get past that scene, but I couldn't get past that scene. That's fair. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Um, we also had a, a, a friend of mine, Kate... Uh, Kate says that she likes being referred to as a friend of mine on the podcast. So <laughs> Kate, who is the person that generously has me over every Thursday so I can watch the episodes live. She pays for cable. <laughs> I think she just has, she has some apps. She has, she's got it on, she's got an Apple TV, so she's got it all figured out. She was texting me, she was catching up on some of our old episodes and was texting me while she listened to it. And she says, of course your sister took Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry guys. I'm exactly as predictable as you think I am. So she also did academic decathlon. <laughs> so uh, she uh, she she liked the more recent episodes, but that was you know her. what though. What's Our that? mother never had to worry about me coming home pregnant. Sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying I was wildly unpopular with <laughs> with the men folk. I was like <laughs> until I was 20 years old. <laughs> that was when I had my very first romantic encounter of any sort when I was 20. I was I'm married gonna... now. It's fine. It's behind <laughs> me. I'm married I now. Just... I have two children. I'm not bitter. 
gonna say like I was trying to make the connection between taking Latin and getting oh, pregnant I'll, I'll, and I'll tell you what the connection I, is. <laughs> Listen, I <laughs> I think things worked out okay for you. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it turns out uh, late bloomers. What did, what does Mulan's dad say? Oh, the flower that blooms in adversity. Oh no, that's the emperor. <laughs> that's the emperor. Her dad says uh, they're looking at the tree, and he says, uh, "Such pretty blossoms we have. This one's late, but I'm sure when it blooms, it will be the most beautiful of all." That uh, photographic memory for audio <laughs> is really, uh, <laughs> really, really a boon sometimes. Yes, indeed. Uh, if it helps, I took French in high school had my first boyfriend when I was in preschool and I'm still <laughs> single everyone so <laughs> the early bloom is the ugliest <laughs> <laughs> this early bloom over here is trash <laughs> this early bloom she she peaked already we don't <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen to her <laughs> That's a good place to wrap up. Mulan had a sister we never met. She's just, <laughs> she's just inside going like, you know. Ugh, Dad can go to war. I don't care. <laughs> no, I would have cared. I just, I'm not in shape enough to go to war. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good enough. I'm like flushed. You can't. Obviously, we're recording. We're not, we're not looking at each other, but I know that I'm red at the moment. Hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know, until next time, uh, if an omniscient being tries to give you instructions, don't interrupt her. Until next time, ding dongs. Knock, knock.